Welcome to Chop Shop Economics, an IWW union shop that's currently infected by COVID-19. We're not a union shop yet. Paperwork, sir. Yeah, we probably got it from all of those chickens we have been sacrificing in order to tell the future. Yep. Um, we can confirm that, that, that COVID-19 can totally transmit over the internet. Yeah, and you you will get it if you listen to this podcast. It's too late. You already have it. Don't feel too bad. Probably panic. <laughs> Probably panic. I mean, don't feel too bad. You know, it doesn't take a lot to infect you. If it wasn't IP, it, you've been infected on the burb site or... Um, I don't know, by going outside for five seconds. All the cool kids are doing um, you know. Because, um, I mean, nobody... Uh, remember, kids, there is no test for the coronavirus. At God. least, statistically speaking, there is no test. Oh, yeah. Oh, but my yeah. God. This... Uh, you've got coronavirus now. We all have it. But what's important is that you keep up with the news. And the only way to keep up with the news is to listen to us. Because we read it for you. Well, we okay. still can't. <laughs> I'm Miss Silver. I read this tech bullshit so you don't have to, basically. I immerse myself in hacker news so that you don't have to claw your eyes out reading startup bullshit. So, my other hosts... I'm St. Helen. Uh, I'm the ignorant blue-collar worker who, uh, like picks her butt and can't read i'm here to provide a uh a labor perspective i've got like labor newsletters and shit uh, this is dr spider i'm the one who partakes in the three drug minimum that's necessary to like keep up with wall street and not completely fry your brain like sifting through all that fucking like headless chicken divination shit because yeah yeah <laughs> this shit is this shit's fucking <laughs> the wild. south park economic wheel <laughs> uh, the south park economic wheel it is totally real yeah, we've seen people. It. yeah. that's what the totally. fed uses we fucking They'll... we saw that <laughs> this past week you just see that dow just going up and down a thousand points up one day 800 points down the next <laughs> It's... This morning they put speed in the chicken's water. The next morning they put an LSD. <laughs> then they were like, hey, let's, you know, play a little bit with some fucking coke. You know. I mean, like, honestly, I, I've i always preferred the sober chicken. Like, I think that once you cut its head off, it runs around fine anyway. It doesn't matter what you put in it. Um, not even a good old Biden bump. Oh. Even a Biden bump. Oh, that, that, that was the most coolest <laughs> yeah. thing that happened in a while on Wall Street. And that's kind of fucking amazing. I mean, we're talking like the kind of people who like occasionally make Satan stop and go like, holy shit, you guys are making me look like amateurs over here. 
<laughs> but they somehow like managed to keep doing that and that like happened like right after super tuesday like the dow jones rallied and you know all the people on wall street were like oh yes it's because we have confidence in biden but when you crack out open the stocks leading that rally were all fucking healthcare stocks yeah yep yeah yeah the finally the long nightmare of potentially having single payer healthcare it's over. It's over, folks. It's over. It's finally over. Bernie is done. Bernie is finished. Bernie has he been has shot a dead. massive thirty point delegate. He's got like a fifty loss. delegate. He's got like a fifty <laughs> delegate lead over Bernie. It's like yeah, and the market's so like I love that it's so desperate. It's like they'll take fucking anything like. <laughs> This was the week of they'll take whatever they fucking get because that's all they're gonna get. Honestly, it it really felt to me like they were blaming it on Biden, but it's it's just fucking dead cats. They just threw the dead cat really, really hard, and like, yeah, it bounced. You know, like which is the industry term they use to describe these kind of things is a dead cat bounce. Like this isn't us making this up. This is actually what they say on Wall Street. Yeah, they they really because because a dead cat will bounce one. Imagine a Wall Street guy, and imagine what kind of analogy they would come up with for something that is oh just a slight turnaround that goes back to being negative. There's all sorts of things that they could have used, you know? But because they have so much experience in throwing small animals off of tall buildings, it just came to mind immediately. Just a dead cat bounce. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Like, they knew that, like, a dead rat bounce just wasn't big enough, and a dead dog bounce just won't sell the American public, so, you know. Yeah, and also, Wall Street gets to you know, it's cats. not as catchy. Yeah. Yeah, so like, uh, so uh, according to the media, uh, this is all because of uh, like a thousand people dying, two thousand or something. Now I don't know. It's it's not like tuberculosis or the flu or fucking malaria stuff that like hundreds of thousands of people die of every year, but. Everyone is freaking out over it, and apparently that's the cause of every bad thing in our economy, and also every good thing. Like those uh, those healthcare stocks just fucking skyrocketing. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. Oh god. But then we've got you know fucking peak brainworms shit coming out from CNBC's Rick Santelli. Who decided to just go, you know what, all this, like, I'm, I'm sure, like, the thought process in his head was, hey, you know, on paper, this would work great, and we won't have to worry about coronavirus anymore. So he then turns around on air on Thursday last week and goes, hey, maybe the best way to, like, spare the markets is for everyone in America to be infected with coronavirus. Yeah, and, you know, what's what's 2% of 300 million uh, 11 million people yeah so like let's just like who could... sacrifice more than the holocaust to the market gods yeah it's it's just pretty like, much <laughs> i mean like 
it's just fucking, you know, just like, okay, well, you know, let's build a coronavirus pyramid. You know, there there has to be gutters for all the blood. Like, we've got to sacrifice to the market to make sure the stocks rise every morning. Exactly. Like, if we don't infect people on a mass scale and create an unprecedented public health crisis in the immediate term, then the Dow will be sad. And that is worse than, you know, letting millions of people die. Well, to be fair, these guys are already letting millions of people die every day. So this means nothing to them. It's like, what's sick is this isn't just like fantastic. That's pretty much it. A couple weeks ago, there was a thing in the Times of London where, I don't know how the fuck this got out to the press. Apparently, members of fucking Bojo's cabinet were seriously debating whether they should just allow for an acute outbreak to happen to spare the economy oh yeah yeah no they were talking about that it was the same fucking idea as rick santelli yeah but so like but these people it's this like this is great because let's are... implement that by the united states <laughs> yeah th what's the best part about this is that these people are absolute idiots yeah. this isn't like uh cutting food stamps or cutting health care or something to improve the economy it's they're, they're literally just as likely to get infected if not more i mean just look at fucking apac you know oh yeah oh my ah, god yeah. that, that may have just been a problem that solved itself yeah it's just like okay so like no uh people are getting exposed at fucking apac uh, something like the American-Israeli Political Action Committee, like, huge in leveraging support for Israel in the U.S. government. It's something like two-thirds of the members of Congress, including Mike Pence, the fucking Bible thumper who's supposed to be in charge of pandemic response when he's not molesting snakes. Yeah, it's, like, so many of these people who are, like... Well, why don't we just kill the poor? Are just like, oh shit, uh, we can get sick too. Turns out, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, whoops! Yeah, like, we actually have the same biology as the pores. <laughs> I mean, part of it is like, you know, uh, the CDC does not use the current best practices test which is the one that vietnam developed they use their own and it doesn't quite work yeah well why would they pay dirty commies to do something that they can pay billionaires to do yeah also why would they accept for free something dirty commies made <laughs> even instead worse. of something they can pay billionaires for I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's so. It's just every. I'm sorry. I'm I'm laughing because I want to scream, but you don't want to hear an hour of me screaming invective into your ear. Like these are people <laughs> that are basically saying. We are so afraid for our profits that 
we are going to allow potentially millions of people to die because the supply chain disruptions that we've been talking about since basically since this like started real this show started really are going to complete are completely fucking the global economy and maybe for half a minute they didn't quite clock it was going to be a problem because they spent too much time with their like reptile overlords and forgot that you know diseases can infect them too but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they spent too much time on that fucking spaceship all i have to do is not interact with dirty factory workers and i'll be fine exactly i can just stay away from asian people and factory workers and i'll be fine i don't have to do anything we can replace all the service workers with robots it'll be great yeah that'll work and yeah it's it's so (laughs) dumb they're they're all the people at the top they're dumb folks. They're not. They're not the best. And there is no puppet master. Yeah, they're just running around yeah. like chickens with their heads cut off, and like that's kind of why like the Fed can't do much. <laughs> oh yeah, like the Fed decided. The Fed decided after like sacrificing a whole coop of chickens to figure out the best course of action on Tuesday, figured the best thing they could do was sacrifice a horse so they could justify slashing the base interest rate down from, like, it was 1.75% to 1.25%. You gotta remember, when they did this shit during the 2008 crisis, it stopped downward momentum. At least it slowed it down, it brought it to a halt. And it allowed for, it basically kept the market from completely falling apart. This time, the, the Dow and all the other mark and the Nikkei and all the other markets took one look at that and went, ha, and kept falling. Yep. Well, like that's like never happened before. Not like this. Well, back in 2008, they were able to cut it by like what? Two full percentage points? Two and a half? Easily. Like, they had a lot more room to play with. Yeah. And like there weren't that. There is not that many percentage points to cut anymore. There, There isn't. And you can't fucking just... They've been doing quantitative easing the entire time since 2008. They've never stopped quantitative easing. Like, you see it, like, every year. Like, the Fed buys bad bank assets. Like, every year. They yeah. don't have the... They they can't just like you can't like they can't cut the rates. The rates have been cut. They can't fucking buy the bad assets. They've been buying the bad assets. Like two former top staffers at the Fed on March fourth, uh, according to Reuters, former research director David Wilcox and former top advisor William Reifschneider said in a paper that was just released on that same day. That if interest rates hit zero again, like they did at the height of the 2008 crisis, they warned that even the best plans that the Fed has might simply, quote, might simply run out of firepower if the downturn is bad enough. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we, we were, we've been talking, like, in, I think, like, every episode about how the Fed cannot stop a crash because they don't have the tools anymore. They've used them up. And 
now we're seeing that in Reuters. We're going to be seeing that in the Wall Street Journal. We're going to be seeing that in fucking The Economist, you know? Making it worse is this interest rate cut dropped U.S. 10-year treasury bonds, which, like we've said before, these things are basically like fucking gold in finance. They are treated like more valuable and more solid than gold. They're better than gold because keynotes, you get a guaranteed rate for this a certain amount of time with gold for all you know gold could drop fucking 60 percent fucking over the next three years because someone found a giant gold fucking mine in tanzania you know yeah on tuesday the 10-year t-note for the first time when the fed was busy cutting the rate has become unprofitable the rate of return on tuesday slipped to something like 0.9% and as of now was at 0.7%, which is well below the rate of inflation. Like, if you bought a T-note, a 10-year T-note today, you would be guaranteed to lose money on it. But, like, and these things are selling like crazy, even though they're at, like, literally rock-bottom prices. And that's investors going, I'll fucking take the predictable loss over the oh shit what the hell's gonna happen in the stock market lot yeah it's technically better than just having a big pile of cash because it's above zero you know like yeah it's at least you know how much shit you're gonna be eating if you buy a 10 yeah. t-note at this rate yeah it's really bad right now folks yeah like, it, what what the result of this is is it's going to cut the money supply. Yeah, there's going to be a bailout. Like, we've, we've said this before, there's totally going to be a bailout. There's no other way out. And it's not going to be enough. Yeah, I mean, like, what are they supposed to do to stimulate the money supply? Are they supposed to cut rates? Are they supposed to do quantitative easing? The only thing they can do is just literally do cash transfers, I guess. Like, they already cut taxes. That didn't do yeah. shit. You like know? Trump tax. It never was going to. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing. The, the thing I find fascinating about this is that they're saying that the rates will be stuck at zero for eight years, even if this downturn ends up being mild, which, <laughs> as fans of the show will know, none of us believe that. <laughs> they're thinking. What they're thinking was was closer to 15 years at zero and trillions more in, you know, in basically buying um, bonds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and there's already like 15 trillion floating around just in the 10-year T-note market. So we're basically talking that this is a market that is making it possible for the U.S. to pay for its bloated military budget and fuck poor people, basically, without having to tax rich people. Yeah, so... and, um, you know, this this really... We've said it before, and we'll say it again. This is the big one, folks. Not many people are alive right now to see an economic crash in America as big as the one that has just started. Um, and 
like another symptom of that is all these commodities. We talked about this last week. All the commodities oh, are going down, I, and oil is going down. Well, actually, speaking of debt, as we move to the parts of the world where we're talking about oil, Lebanon just announced on Saturday, March seventh, that they will be defaulting on their debt for the first time in their history. Yep, yep. Lebanon is defaulting. Yeah, the, this is the canary in the coal mine for this crisis going global because the Saudis and all the other big oil exporters in the Middle East are major investors in Lebanon and holders of Lebanese debt. So supposedly they're going to be restructuring it, but also we're only talking about a $1.2 billion note. I mean, that's, that's what's baffling to me about it. But we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that and what that does because <laughs> that's a sovereign debt crisis in the middle of everything else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the extra hole you didn't want in your head. The Socialist Party, uh, the Progressive Socialist Party of Lebanon, they, they want to like nationalize the banks and stuff in response to this. And yeah, it's a very interesting situation. And that gets especially fun because of what's happening with oil. Yeah, yeah. Like, Saudi Arabia wants to give them $11 billion, but guess what? <laughs> Will they have that now that oil's dead? Like, oil is dead, though. Yeah, if you own, like, you should probably get the hell out of the oil market and fossil fuels in general. Just Jim Cramer was actually right. Like, we'll give him that. He uh, was actually right you, about something. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Jim Cramer did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he called it. He called it's yeah. happening to oil. Now, Susie Orman, you still shouldn't listen to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let me check oil prices real quick. It's probably lower. It's at, than... it's at 41.57 a barrel. Oh! Oil price, 41.57. Oh. Wow. No, I'm looking at uh 41.28 now. Oh, shit. So this <laughs> oh. is like, just like for something that's important just for listeners to understand about the oil industry is oil has to sell at a certain price per barrel for certain forms of extraction to be profitable. I mean, it's like any other like capitalist enterprise and the oil industry is the biggest industry in the world in the sense of they're the biggest industry that actually owns shit wall street is actually the biggest but that they don't count because most of it's bullshit except when they do but the oil industry has to keep like prices have to stay above a level or things like fracking stop being profitable drilling in the arctic stops being profitable offshore drilling stops being profitable and if these kinds of extreme oil production stop being profitable you have to shut those operations down. And like we said a couple weeks back, the Permian shale for fracking has collapsed. And that is with an oil price of like $60, $65 a barrel. It had already collapsed at that price because it wasn't profitable anymore. And there's like easily hundreds of billions of dollars running around in capital that's been invested just in fracking in North America. That's all mm -hmm. just become absolutely worthless. 
because you you fracking is not profitable. It is massively unprofitable at forty like at fifty dollars a barrel. It would be unprofitable at forty one dollars a barrel. Just go home. You're having a hard time at forty one dollars a barrel. You're having a hard time having. Yeah, the deep water rigs. They they they're not profitable because of the shit. You know, like we're looking at the 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 shale boom happened when when oil was literally like a hundred dollars a barrel, guys. Was a hundred dollars a barrel, and then shale fucking came in and like they dropped it down to like sixty, and now it's not profitable anymore. And now it's down to like what? Oh, there was a big crash in like twenty sixteen. You guys remember that? And it dropped down to this low of price, but then it went right back up in a couple days. You know, and it almost no. It almost seems like they might have gotten away with that this time. <clears throat> because uh, Friday it closed at $44, $44.76. And then Tuesday it closed at 47 And as of today, it's falling off a cliff again. We're now down to... Uh, forty-one twenty-eight, just like, uh, just like Helen said, and <laughs> it's. And I like the thing that blew the bottom out of the oil price was the OPEC Plus, which is basically OPEC plus Russia and Brazil, other big oil exporters met regarding the the price of oil has been like we said last week has been steadily imploding for the last couple of weeks at a rate that is. If you're an oil exporter or in the oil industry, it should is really pretty like you're done. This is falling off a cliff kind of losses here, and they came together to discuss whether or not they would agree to production cuts. And if they'd cut production, it would have cut supply, and the price of oil would have at least stabilized a little bit. Instead, they couldn't come to any agreement, so the price has completely bottomed out. And they probably couldn't come to an agreement because my hunch is that they could not come to an agreement because cutting volume of exports would have destabilized all of the oil industries for all these countries that basically depend on exporting oil to function. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they can't fucking afford it right now. It's funny, they can't afford to cut production and they can't afford to not cut production they're screwed yeah it's done is like the fundamental aspect of i mean i guess they could hold back barrels but the problem with that is where the fuck do you store them and, and even if you warehouse production like the way oil gets sold is like all these fucking futures exchanges and shit. So that oil's already gonna be getting parceled out somehow. Like it's already been promised, like before it was even dropped into the barrel. So they're kind of fucked. <laughs> oh god. Could happen to a better bunch of assholes. Yeah, I mean like pouring out for the fucking gold princes, yeah. Uh my fucking Sheikh Abdul, you know, he was a real bro. He's going through a hard time right now. 
Long live Mr. Bonesaw. I love you, man. I hope you get through this. Party on that super yacht was amazing. I don't know how he'll be able to keep, you know, so many slaves anymore. It's just, shit's tough out there for some people, and... You know, sometimes you gotta sell that, like, extra chateau in Switzerland to make ends meet. Yeah, and, you know, like, it can be really hard. So, I've got a Kofi for my buddy, Sheik Kofi, and he really could use it right now. He only needs $13 billion. You know, we'll link it in the description. I really gotta, I really kind of love this oil crash, guys. I, I hate the petroleum industry so much. Yeah, and I'm so glad that, you know, Extinction Rebellion did this for us. You know, if they... If they hadn't smeared hand paint all over the place and showed up at police stations and said, uh, I did it, you know, this wouldn't be happening, so... If they hadn't blocked the London tube for 14 minutes, we would not be here today. Totally. And so totally. like it has it has <laughs> nothing to do with things like the in like the First Nations in Canada and their allies like blockading railroads all over the country to shut down tar sands. They they had nothing to do with this. Absolutely nothing. Like I don't know why people keep trying to talk about fucking, you know, stopping pipelines and stuff when we could be doing the real work of Standing somewhere, holding signs, or carrying around a boat. <laughs> yeah, <in the> street. <laughs> Nothing says you are a protester that is speaking for the people like having a big enough protest fund to have a protest boat, or some good protests. Though there's picket lines. And those actually do shit. At UC uh, Santa Cruz, you know? Fucking the TA strike. So the GTAs at UC Santa Cruz have, uh, for the last several weeks, they have been out on a wildcat strike, which means they struck without authorization from their union or doing any proper strike vote. They basically just walked off the job and went on strike, uh, which is technically illegal under federal law. So, and the reason they've been striking is because they literally can't afford to live in Santa Cruz. They, and if you can't afford to live in Santa Cruz, teaching at UC Santa Cruz, the next closest places are like two hours away in like San Jose over the fucking mountains and shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a good commute either. It's not this big fucking four lane highway that's like, you know, straight and stuff. It is like through this winding two lane highway through the mountain. I've been through there. It's not a fun drive. <laughs> no. It it's very pretty, but I wouldn't want to do that every day. Or even like three days a week or whatever. So Oh yeah, they went on strike for like reasons that like everybody in every fucking major university town at this point is seeing is that the rent is just too damn high. Like, they're ha- they were having to live, like, five people to, like, a two-bedroom flat. Shit, like, paying something like 60% of their income or more just on rent. Yeah, you can't be fucking making a thousand bucks a month and afford to live at a place where it's, like, $2,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Like, that's not how it fucking works. 
No. Like, like literally, rent is higher than their wages. Like, yeah. you have to, like, crowd in there like, like it's a fucking clown car. It's not cool. It's not cool. I'd rather be homeless in Santa Cruz than fucking live eight people to a fucking two-bedroom condo. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> it's bad. And so they strut. And, like, straight up, you know, classes got canceled and shit. And then two days ago, they got fired. They fired, like, what, 55 grad student teaching assistants? Like, And for some of these GTAs, teaching is a condition of their acceptance of things like conditions to their visas or acceptance to their program. So some people may be getting deported because they got fired. It's pretty fucking bad. And, like, what was it you were saying that, like, Berkeley was doing a solidarity strike? So the GTAs at Berkeley yesterday on uh, March 6th walked out and demanded that their union immediately off strike vote in solidarity with the Santa Cruz GTAs. And, oh yeah, and don't forget what happened on Thursday at UCSC. Okay, so this goes more than just a strike right now. They have thrown up the barricades i am doped they were uh, at least 74 teaching assistants were fired friday or barred from like spring appointment you know um which is basically fired and so they fucking shut it down and oh <laughs> that's so awesome and it's students and fucking faculty this is great <laughs> they went fucking like this they're singing the song of angry men <laughs> and <laughs> yeah it, it's true oh and like fucking if if any of our listeners are in like the bay area or the northern central coast in california fucking go there bring fucking a giant thing of brownies and a gun bring fucking water and tents do anything you can this is like the most militant labor activity going on right now in the united states and even at fucking ucsd like uc san diego which is known for being like stem and med school and business and all those like the least political departments ever like like, it's safe to assume that if you go to most campuses, like, the social sciences are going to be a bunch of, like, everything from, like, Elizabeth Warren to burn this motherfucker to the ground. But, like, business and STEM are always, like, the, you know, we're trying to get into the country club here. And UCSD GTAs issued a statement saying they would withhold their grades at the end of semester if the uc santa cruz students were fired and on friday march 6th they said okay fine we're holding back final grades you can hell handle. yeah nice yeah that's awesome and you know what is the best part their union the grad school union is the united auto workers it's the united <laughs> auto workers <laughs> folks it is the uaw and they fucking kill it this is why the union is actually they're not technically backing them but they are like they're filing like suits and stuff against uc like the whole uc system and this is awesome i think the uaw uh they they want to avoid the same fines that the uh longshoremen are getting right now where they've been fined like 
80 million dollars or something for like a slowdown that lasted a week which they can totally do so is this why they didn't vote to um do the strike through the usual channel i think it was because uh they like legally couldn't according to the contract yeah because usually like these contracts will be set for a fixed term and you're not allowed to call for a strike vote until contract negotiation yeah which happens when the current contract expires often there will be a pre-authorization coming into negotiations and the, like with the teamsters the pre-authorization is almost always practically unanimous where like if we don't get what we want, then we agree to strike. And then we're fucked over by the negotiators in the Teamsters Union. But, like, with less powerful and less badass unions, they'll often act, they'll often wait until they actually have a fucking bad, their, like, negotiations are stalled and shit's getting really bad before they have a strike authorization vote. And for all I know, the UC contract is like three years away, you know, like okay. It's a situation where they just can't legally strike because again, the like the fucking Wagner Act was meant to and fucking Taft Hartley were meant to keep labor from doing shit that threatened capital. Yeah, exactly, and like a big problem with with UC and the grad student union is that the grad student union. I think there's a reason they don't have their own union and they're part of the UAW. It's because you're only a grad student for like three years, you know, like that's as long as that's like often less than the length of an entire contract. So what are they going to do? You know, and academia both like everywhere is like a poster child when you're talking about labor union or why craft unionism is fucking stupid bullshit because guarantee you will like any university you go to there's going to be at least two possibly even three labor unions because there's going to be one for the staff there's going to be one for the faculty and depending on which country or which union you're dealing with maybe the gtas have to have their own union on top of that yeah so it's it's a total clusterfuck yeah and often like and it's not even the faculty will have one union often the faculty will be split between several unions do phd students end up in the um no phds can be sometimes in the faculty unions if they are teaching but if they're just students then they're considered just to be students yeah and okay i was curious like how that was supposed to work and like all of these different unions and all of these like strict like figuring out whether you're in the union depending on exactly what you do and all this stuff that can be contrasted to uh my workplace ups every ups employee that isn't management is a teamster if you're mopping floors at ups you're a teamster if you're sorting boxes you're a teamster if you're loading boxes you're a teamster if you're driving trucks you're a teamster. If you're fixing trucks, you're a teamster. If you're fixing the fucking AC in the buildings, you're a teamster. It's one it's one group of labor. It's all of the labor in it's all of the labor in the in the fucking workplace. It's all of the labor that is employed by this employer banding together and that's why we're so much stronger and 
get what we want so much easier than other unions. And that's the same with like the ILWU because they also do like wall to wall industrial unions of everybody at this port is in the ILWU. You're not in management, you're not in security. Neat, you're in the union. There's no like underminings. Like when a strike happens, the whole thing is shut down. Nothing, no one can do anything. You can't replace um, a thousand employees, you know? Like, there's no one to train them. Like, <laughs> and, and so, like, you need to get skilled scabs, which honestly aren't much. Like, there aren't enough of them for more than, like, one place at a time. <laughs> like, like, that's why the threat of the the airline stewards going on strike was one of the things that sh- stopped the government shutdown because there was no way they could scab that many skilled workers on short notice. And see, that's the problem with this UC strike. That is their, like, major weakness is that the rest of the faculty isn't on the same union and the staff isn't on the same union. So when the GTAs are being screwed, just absolutely fucked over then they can't do anything about it and there's members of staff that are getting screwed like that too like if to their credit there are a lot of faculty who have come out in solidarity independent of their union to stand on the picket lines with the gtas and and we're seeing like solidarity at berkeley we're seeing solidarity at ucsd and even if you can't get it in one spot like solidarity strikes one of the most powerful things labor exactly that's why they're there's and this of course is specifically in america yeah except that the strikes changed anything they'd make it illegal well they did yeah 70 years ago you know that's like (laughs) and yeah so i'm a firm believer in the old adage there are only two kinds of strikes a successful one and an unsuccessful one yeah like fuck legality wildcat strikes and solidarity strikes work yeah and because their union is so small and because they had to do this without their official union support, they need all the help they can get. Fucking send them money. Send them fucking hats. I don't care. <laughs> order them pizza. Yeah, order them pizza. Fucking buy them motorcycles. Give them guns. Build barricades with them. Donate to the <laughs> like, strike fund. We'll link it in the description. Because this is the most militant action going on right now in America. And, well, labor action. And we think that everyone should support them. If you should happen to know people in the Longshore Union, to know enough people to, like, organize a sympathetic community picket outside of the various major ports in California, I have no idea how something could possibly happen regarding a work stoppage if those things were to happen just saying you know longshoremen and people standing outside ports with signs you know things happen just putting it out there what's interesting is that it's not just the gta that's been on strike at santa cruz now this this happened like a couple months ago but i have no reason to believe anything has really changed on this front oh wow University of California, Santa Cruz, AFSME, fucking local 
$32.99 fucking went on strike. Yeah. The 49 workers that were covered by them. See, this is this is what I'm talking about, by the way, where AFSME has 49 workers represented on Santa Cruz campus. That's not their entire staff. That's not close. That's their electricians. And That's their plumbers. one of their, you know, like if they had their janitors in there, maybe the strike would have shut down the whole fucking thing, you know? But they're probably SCIU. Yeah, exactly. And they even mentioned that that the campus is deliberately understaffing to um uh, in order to give a pretext for contracting out work, like you know, going down from seven people to three just because some of them had to retire. Like, you can't be a carpenter for your entire life. It doesn't work that way. It's starving the beast. That's what that's what fucking Grover Norquist called it. That fucking reactionary asshat. This is a strong... UC Santa Cruz is a strong lesson on how um, fucking craft unions trade unions, whatever you want to call them, are far worse than industrial unions in representing their members. It You get fucked if you do not cover, if your union does not cover the entire work. You get fucked. And so... I mean, part of what strikes me is they have a lot of the same demands that the GTAs do. Yeah, yeah. It's just low pay, understaffed. And so, no security. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, we've made this call to action at every, at the end of every episode, and that's fucking start organizing. If you're in a union that's good, fucking get involved in union politics. Try to get solidarity strikes going. See what you can do to attend union meetings. If you're not in a good union, try to influence them to more of an industrial union organizing principle. It's often not explicitly banned in the AFL-CIO. So, it's just custom. So you can see stuff like the United Auto Workers organizing grad students. You know? They don't have to literally just organize auto work. Like the longshoremen just organized a restaurant in San Francisco. The, there's These unions are finding ways to get into new workplaces. So it's not as... Even though there's a lot of barriers to union organizing, Yeah, there are unions that will help you like the Wobblies, the IWW are organizing like fast food work in Portland and some other places it, and Minneapolis. It's And there's so many more places. Even the SEIU, they will often organize the entire workplace. And so try to figure out how you can help these UC Santa Cruz workers. They're getting screwed. They've got the barricades up, guys. The, this is... This is lame as shit. Yeah, th- there's lame as shit going on. And... Remember that we as workers have fundamentally different interests from the owning class, from the managers, and we have the power. We band together, they cannot crush us. That's what we're going to need to do as we watch them completely fuck up again. Yeah, they, they're, they're fucking up their management of the economy again, and they're going to fucking try to just cut labor costs because that's their first instinct you know and the only thing you can't you can't 
stop it by being nice to your manager. Republic Doors and Windows factory in Chicago uh, was forced to shut down during the 2008. Uh, Michael Moore talked about this in Capitalism, a Love Story. They were forced to shut down during the 2008 financial crisis because the owners of the factory basically completely fucked up and over uh, leveraged their assets and were soaked up to their fucking eyeballs in debt. So the workers, instead of just accepting that they were now fucked, instead went on strike and stayed on strike until they managed to raise enough funds to just (laughs) buy out the factory and run it collectively. Yeah. See, there's... Just saying. There's ways. There are options. There's ways. And... That is legal in many states. Yeah, and, you know, also... In many countries. Also, Bernie will make it easier to do that kind of thing. He's not gonna, like create a revolution that puts the workers in power but osha and the labor department are the only federal agencies that need a swat team the only ones (laughs) fucking he needs to fold the atf into uh the fucking labor board and just send those fucking waco goons out to like cnn for for their union busting like put up barricades around it like megaphone come out now surrender you know they also made their bets on warren fuck that i mean that's why she got rat fucked hard by media misogyny because they were like even this mild option fuck that and oh look joe biden came ahead we get to celebrate that we are going to get to keep telling poor people to fucking die and rich people are standing in front of microphones going, maybe we should just let poor people die so we can get this economic mess over with. I mean, I do think there's a little bit of hope there in that, I mean, have you ever listened to this dude? His brains are leaking. I mean, his brains are leaking out of his fucking ears. I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. It's like terminal brain worms. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm Joe Biden, and I forgot this message. I mean, that's that's who we are dealing with. And these are the people who have been entrusted to fondled, slaughtered livestock and forecast whether the sun and shall rise many. tomorrow. We need to sacrifice pores to the free market fairy. When you're done listening to this podcast tonight, make sure to get your to get your sacrifice chicken out and make a prayer to the market fairy. She needs to know you believe in her. And then maybe also kick us a couple on Patreon. Kick us a couple on Patreon. The Market Fairy likes that. That will make number go up in the jobs day. It'll make business strong. It'll increase consumer confidence. Because if the economy can afford to pay us, then it must be doing well. Remember to do all of that. Or else you'll get coronavirus. If you haven't already. So I think that's all we've had tonight. You guys good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was Chop Chop Economics. Bye, everyone. Have a good night, folks. Have a good night, people.